And she, when he finds her, she's fucking mad that he found her. (laughs) And the entire time he's thinking about how she's leaving signs for him and she's not. It's all in his head. And that is one of my favorite representations of why this trope is so dangerous because it's an obsession thing. And Mm -hmm. that was really well established in the novel without it being too dangerous. Welcome to the Book Jar Podcast, where both me and my friend Megan discuss book-related news and topics on a bi-weekly basis. How are you today, Megan? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, so basically how it works here on the Book Jar Pod is we pull a topic from our book jar every week, and then the next week we discuss it. And uh, we're always really aloof about the topic that we chose last week so let's start off with some recent reads before we reveal the topic which is the name of this podcast so it's not really all that secret it's never a secret no not really um well i read one book one book yeah that's about standard for me <laughs> and it's called the lost daughter by elena ferrante did i say that right she's italian you should know ferrante sounds right <laughs> ferranti ferranti <laughs> uh but yeah it was translated by don't know off the top of my head it's in my review (laughs) (laughs) let's see let's see let's let's take a gander at the translator it's it's in there it's in there translated from the italian by anne goldstein i like how they say from the italian the italian like they stole it from the (laughs) italian the italian who is the italian who is the italian that is the question um but yeah, so I picked it up because, well, it is a movie on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. but I really Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I heard really good things about the movie. Mm-hmm. So then I saw that it was a book and it's very interesting. It's like a story on like motherhood and womanhood and just like this woman goes on like a little vacation. Her daughter's moved out. They moved to Canada where her di- like their dad is so she's just kind of like living on her own for the first time and she's like feels really like relieved that she doesn't have anyone that relies on her basically Mm -hmm. and it kind of like explores that like those emotions of like yeah you know you did raise kids and you are a mom but guess what you can still be happy and that they're gone (laughs) you don't have to take (laughs) care of them anymore basically and it kind of has like a little side plot going on with like this other italian family she meets and she's kind of like obsessed with this young mom and like it has like a buildup of tension and like it never really reached the climax that i thought it was gonna reach well that's interesting but it was because i was like oh this is gonna be like some like mob italian thing i don't know what (laughs) i was thinking it was like getting intense and then it like kind of ended in a very realistic like expected way like that you Mm -hmm. would see just in normal day-to-day life which i actually really enjoyed so yeah like it's it's an interesting read Mm -hmm. definitely recommend it it was quick it's like only 150 pages or something like that so need yeah, some cool. of those quick reads every once in a while yeah. but it, it doesn't sound like like a, it was like a easier light read even no. though it was quick no it wasn't it definitely 
Like, I would get through, like, a chapter or two and be like, okay, good break, good break. I read her emotions. Like, the emotions were just, like, so well done. Yeah. And, like, her just talking about her past life and stuff. It's just, it was good. So I recommend it. Cool. So I read two books. Okay. Got out of my reading slump a little bit. We're still not quite up at the level that I sometimes am at, but I'm, you know, it worked. Uh, so I did, I was in the middle of reading Grand Union by Zadie Smith, which I did mm-hmm. finish, but I, before I finished that, <laughs> I took a quick detour into Rika Aoki's um, Light from Uncommon Stars, which I was talking about last week. I was yes. very excited I about the cover. It's cool. the most, like, fun book <laughs> I've read in a while. Um, so it follows uh, our main character as she basically attempts to get the last soul of a violent prodigy for the devil, Ooh. which is really a really interesting uh, concept. Um, and the last soul that she, I guess, is kind of preparing for hell is uh, Katrina, who is a young transgendered runaway, or transgender runaway. And so it's all about violent prodigies, and there's a whole donut shop, and there's aliens, <laughs> and there's space travel. And it was very weird and random and fun. And yeah. about an hour into reading it, I was just devouring it. And I, I was actually upstairs on my couch, and my partner came upstairs and asked me how I liked the book, and I started bawling. <laughs> why? I, I can't oh, explain why. I, it was just like, it was one of those things where I was like, this book, it wasn't sad. Like, I wasn't mm-hmm. crying because it was sad. I was, I was like, so in love with it that I, I just like started crying. Which is, like, peak emotional Marissa. Yeah. <laughs> like, the funniest thing ever. But I, I legitimately, I was like, I feel like it was written not for me, as in, like, the themes and stuff, but just the plot was written for me, which I don't feel a lot. Like, yeah, you know, like, I just, it was so fun and yet so serious at the same time. And it was such a perfect blend of that. I, I will say, I, I wasn't in love with how it ended. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think there was anything particularly wrong with the actual ending, but the climax was a little bit of a miss for me. Mm-hmm. And I was I was actually quite a bit disappointed in that. And there was like kind of a little plot hole that never got wrapped up, which oh, made no. me feel really sad. But overall, like such a fantastic read. And if you go into it expecting anything to be possible, you'll have a great time. Yeah. I did read some reviews. And I know a lot of people didn't like that everything was kind of random and absurdist. And you really have to embrace it. So mm-hmm. if you like that kind of book, like, highly recommend. Or if you're in the mood for that kind of book, highly recommend. If not, steer clear. Because it, it, it's a wild ride. Like, it is a wild ride. <laughs> well, and, like, how did you come across this book again? So it's such a weird thing, which was part of the reason I feel like I kind of cried about it. <laughs> was It was random. Like, I saw it in eight chapters. Mm-hmm. And I picked it up on a whim. And it's really weird because I don't, it was in the science fiction section, which I really don't go to that often. I was just kind of browsing and I saw it mm-hmm. and I grabbed it and I opened it up and it was talking about giving the souls of violin prodigies to the devil and aliens and donuts. And I was like, what the fuck is this book about? 
<laughs> like what what is the synopsis There's so many things happening and i i actually book. like i didn't buy it immediately because i i found other books that i wanted and i was trying to be responsible and i couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about it and so i ended up ordering it and holy shit like i almost didn't read it you know you know, that's, that's such a good thing. book. That's why you have to literally buy all the books in the bookstore. Yeah. Because it could be <laughs> This that is book. why I own 400 books. Yeah, because you were like, maybe one of these is going to be the book that you, you know, or, or somebody will be like, hey, do you want all these old books that, like, I didn't like? And I'm like, you didn't like them, so I shouldn't want them. Because, like, you're literally telling me that they were not worthwhile. They were not good books, yeah. And I'm literally like, no, please add them to my library because... Yeah. Maybe they're the perfect novel for me. Exactly. Everyone's tastes are different. Yes. And that is the joys of that reading. Is, that is the joys of reading. <laughs> um, and then I did, as I said, finish Grand Union by uh, Zadie Smith, which was a collection of short stories. I thought it was really fun that there were very, very witty stories or very sad stories. It was a, a really good diverse read I think the last couple stories I don't know if they were actually better themselves Mm -hmm. or if I just liked them more because I was more in the mood to be reading short stories by the end of the kind of collection uh highly recommend that if you are a short story reader um and definitely recommend if you've ever read Zadie Smith and liked her and her like kind of witty Mm -hmm. writing style so Um, definitely check that out are the short stories like have like similar themes or anything are they all just different uh, lots of them any... deal with the idea of like death and dying and like kind of existentialism, but kind of in a more witty way. Mm-hmm. Um, and she likes to actually play off. Um, I find she plays off a lot of cliches and like stereotypes of people, which oh, is very fun, fun in a kind of uh, underhanded way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very, I guess the term would be literary. So they're very invested in theme more than they're invested in plot. Okay. Cool. Um, Sounds interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, let's talk about our topic. Let's move on to the main event. <laughs> the main event. All right. So we drew this topic last week. It is go-to authors. So authors you will always purchase a book from before even reading what it's about. Okay. Okay. So I, of course, naturally... <laughs> I, I, I've realized a theme with our podcast. One, I read the topic and then I talk about how I thought about the topic. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive into Marissa's psychology let's of this. Let's analyze the question before we actually we, analyze, we analyze it. First. <laughs> so I realized while preparing for this topic that I actually have a subconscious pattern that I follow when I oh. get go-to authors. What is this? Um, so it starts with me really liking one of their books and this has to be not like a, oh, it was kind of good. It Mm -hmm. has to be a light from uncommon stars. I cried or Sabrielle where I like, didn't want to give you back the book (laughs) or, um, the book thief by Marcus Zusak Mm -hmm. is actually a really good one as well, where you were just like so stunned by how the story was told that you didn't really think any other book could compare to it again. So, Mm -hmm. of course, you have to read something else by them. And something like that, where you just can't really put it down. And then then I always buy one book, another book of theirs that I think is going to be the best one. Very Mm -hmm. judge a book by its cover moment, go Mm -hmm. into a bookstore or the library, pick it out and go, hope you're as good as the last one. (laughs) And 
lots of authors let you down in that moment, right? Oh. Like the other book Especially doesn't live up. An older book or something too. Yeah. Like when they're just like getting into it. Just getting started. <laughs> yeah. Um it, it, like I kind of equated this to like watching a sequel of a movie. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, you have the first one where it just like lives up to all these expectations. And then the sequel, you know, always has that risk that's just going to let everyone down. And that's how I feel about the second book. There's such high expectations. It usually sits on my shelf for, like, several years because I'm like, I don't want to ruin the first book by reading this other one Mm -hmm. because it might just not be good. And then if the second book lives up to or gets close to the expectations that I had, it's always a, it's just a buy status from that point. And, like, I feel like my expectations are so high that like not a lot of authors actually clear that where like I'll read one book and then I'll buy the next one and then it won't be as good. So they, they kind of get the, like, I'll look at their books yeah. status, yeah. but I'm not going to immediately buy it. And then I very quickly realized that I have a um, pattern for them to fall out of this, which is if I buy a book and I did not look at the book, I did not even give a thought to not purchasing the book because you're my go-to author, and I hate it, oh, you are on my bad list. Oh my god, you betrayed me. <laughs> they don't even get a second chance. You're like, nah. No, it's, it's, it's rough. So actually, I wanted to start with one that has done this. So mm-hmm. I got burnt by one of my favorite go-to authors, which was Gail Foreman. Uh, so I read If I Stayed by Gail Foreman years ago, okay. pretty close to when it actually came out, and I adored it. I thought it was lovely and heart-wrenching and beautiful, just kind of all rolled into one. I thought it was just a phenomenal book, such a great idea, such a great storyline. If you're not familiar with that book, um, it follows a girl after um, her whole family has been into, in a uh, car crash in which she is the sole survivor, and she is actually in kind of a comatose state um but she's experiencing kind of an out-of-body experience where she's following people around the hospital and kind of overhearing people as they come into her room and then she's remembering things about her life and she's basically kind of on the verge of death and so it becomes this like choice of hers of whether she stays in the world or leaves and I just thought it was such a beautiful story such a beautifully done narrative that I just grabbed every Gail Foreman novel after that. I, I did my thing. I tried another one, loved it, which was just one day. Um, and then it was like, grab everything by Gail Foreman that I see kind of thing. And then I bought, <laughs> I bought I Was Here, which I think I've talked about this book before. I think so, yeah. But I Was Here is a book that was released in 2015, and it shattered my trust in Gail Foreman books. <laughs> So it promised very similarly similarly to If I Stay, a story that explored the ideas of loss and grief. Um, In the novel, a young woman named Cody essentially searches for the reason why her best friend Meg has decided to commit uh, suicide. And this was just like the most grotesque, awful way of exploring this topic that I've ever experienced. Instead of really learning anything about her friend... Cody essentially embarks on a road trip where she finds both love and self-actualization for herself. And the best way to describe this is that her friend's suicide, this very tragic event, was used as a very clear trope, like, plot point Mm -hmm. 
and then completely like she could have not mentioned Meg for the rest of the book and it would have made more sense. Oh really? Like in my oh. opinion. But she kept running into people that Meg knew and then like getting her own relationships with them and it felt very like underhanded and it just felt very weird and none of the grief felt natural mm-hmm. at all. And she actually ends up like falling in love with a boy who Meg had hooked up with at one point in her past. It was, like, very clear that, like, they hadn't, you know, had huge romantic feelings for each other. But I still felt like it was such a weird way to grieve your friend. It's interesting, yeah. Bonding over that. It was like, oh, I'm so glad my friend... And it felt like the, like, oh, I'm so glad this happened because it led me to all these other things. And it was very, like, bright side and... Yeah. (laughs) Um... And as a result, I actually did not buy another Gail Foreman novel, nor did I read one for, like, several wow. years. Um, and she was, like, a go-to, which was really well, interesting And for that's, me. like, a legit reason to, like, drop her, to yeah. be honest. Like, there's one thing to be like, oh, just, you know, it wasn't my thing. But that's, like, problematic, mm-hmm. I feel. And I don't like that. Yeah, so she's, she's she will never hit auto-buy again. Yeah. Ever. Like, it's over, but I have bought a few of her books. I've actually bought one of her books since, which was Leave Me, um, which I did enjoy as well. Uh, I thought the ending was a little bit trite, but I might be judging it a little harshly because I also didn't like one of her books. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I know you recently enjoyed one of hers, which I am planning to read. I liked it personally, but yeah, I'm curious what you thought of it just based on. Yeah. What you said about her other books. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm curious to give that one a go. She's still at, she's gotten back to a I'll read it status and mm-hmm. not a I'll buy it status. That's fair. And it's not like you have to buy everyone's books, you know? Yeah. Like, I have some authors on here, too, that I'm like, I got them from the library. So that's, I think this needs to be a either insta-buy or insta- Insta-read. Insta-read. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Is that yeah. all you gotta say about That's Gail all I gotta there? say about Gail. I'll leave Gail alone now. <laughs> Poor Gail. She Poor just Gail did not <laughs> did not live up to this. Uh, she had high hopes for Gail. <laughs> she let me down. All right. Well, my first one here, Susan Denard. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, I've probably mentioned her books before. Um, she's an author of the Witchland series. Okay. So Truth Witch is the first one in that book, and basically there's all these different type of like witch typey people so <laughs> obviously the main character is a truth witch surprise surprise and she can basically tell like who's lying who's telling the truth mm-hmm. um and like she's very like sought after because obviously you can totally use her to like in bargaining or like anything yeah. like that because she has this like special skill so this was like the first book i picked up by susan denard mainly because of the plot like just mm-hmm. super interesting um, and it follows kind of, like, a sisterly relationship with her and her friend and, like, just spans, like, this whole continent of this, like, magic world. And it's just super interesting. And there's about, I don't even know how many books she has in her Witchland series so far. There's going to be a few more. I think there's five at the moment. And she's, so Susan Denard is, like, a slow writer, which I feel like for me, if I can't read a book right away, or if I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to wait, like, forever, mm-hmm. I don't want to read the series. And I don't want to read right. the next book. Because I'm like, I forgot. I forgot. Like, yeah. what happened? I don't want to continue. 
Yeah. But, like, the truce with, truth witch was just so good. Like, it just had, like, the cutest little romance in it. Mm-hmm. It just it has so much detail. Like, she just is so good linking everybody together. And they're all going through their own, like, growth and development and everything. Yeah. It was just super interesting. And then I was like, hey, well, I'm sticking around. She's telling me she's a slow writer. <laughs> I don't care. I'm sticking around. It's been, I don't know, years since I read that. And she's yeah. still not done the series. And she's honest about it. Like, I follow her on Instagram. And she just, she's honest about it. She's like, I'm working on something else. I'm just not in the headspace. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. So she has another uh, series called Something Strange and Deadly. And that was kind of cool. Kind of like a steampunky like mid 1800s vibe with zombies that sounds cool that yeah. sounds like a marissa book actually yeah. i feel like you would enjoy it yeah. very cool um i haven't finished the series but i was like yeah i'm here for it i'm gonna she's gonna have a new one coming out called the luminaries which she actually which is super cool she started it on as a twitter adventure oh so she like would have like her character on Twitter and people she'd be like okay so the character can either do this or this and then all of her followers would like vote on what the character does that's super cool so she did that all on Twitter and now she's actually publishing publishing that book later this year of like this adventure and I'm like that is the coolest thing <laughs> I've seen that is actually really do. cool like that's like almost like a community driven plot yeah which is interesting. It's very interesting. She had a a book on Wattpad, which is like an online yes. writing community. Yes. And she hasn't finished it. And again, like this is how committed I am to this author. This <laughs> is this is commitment. This is hardcore. Commitment. Like she has never finished this, but it's so good. It's called The Executioner's Three. It's kind of like a ghost spooky ghost story romance. Mm-hmm. And it's just so good. And like so I just haven't lost my trust in her yet. Nothing's been bad. I'm going to probably stick with her until the Witchland series is done. And I just think everyone should give her, you know, a read. At least one of her books, whether it's the Witchlands or Something Strange and Deadly. Check well, out her you Twitter know, feed. Zombies meets Steampunk I think is, is, is kind of calling to me. So I love that. Well, <laughs> and I think, like, you know, she's just very interesting and, like, I kind of want to talk about her personal life a little bit as well. She's cool. And <laughs> she's like my best friend. <laughs> no kidding. I'm On being Instagram. replaced. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm, I know more about her than I do you. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> you know, not. She's just so like, like I like her humor. Um, she's very open about like, like she's had miscarriages in the past and stuff like that. Right. So she's just very open about it. And she had like a really rough, like when she um did give birth and stuff like that like she mm-hmm. nearly had like died like it's like pretty traumatic for her mm-hmm. so she's always just been like open about that and been like hey like I have like PTSD I'm going through all this stuff like this is just what's going on in my life but she's just you know she's just very open interesting individual she had a master's in marine biology that's cool yeah and she went to write I like, love that. Like, it's, she's just a cool person, and I love her writing. Like, she spends time, and I think that's important is, like, yeah, maybe your books aren't coming out every 
two to three months like some authors can write okay maybe it's not that fast but it's not quite that fast but but like (laughs) one or two books a year or something yeah yeah. that's pretty impressive for a writer and she's like not like that and I think that you know that just shows that I love her yeah yeah, that is that is dedication I like that you are that committed I just she's a good writer she's a good young adult high fantasy whatever everything she writes writer I love it um I'm going to take a quick step back to somebody I already mentioned uh, so I finished a novel, or rather a collection of short stories by Zadie Smith, and she's actually one of my other kind of auto-buys when I actually see her books. There's several books in her that she has written that I haven't read, mm-hmm. um, but I've never actually seen them in, like, a store or, like, when I've been actually looking to buy. And Grand Union was actually one that I just bought. Like, I saw her name on it. Was like this is now my this is my I own this this is my book now, um, but Zadie Smith for those of you who don't know is an American uh, sorry, is an English novelist. <laughs> sorry, American <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah, uh, essayist and short story writer. I first encountered her novels while taking a course actually in Scotland, where we were instructed to read her debut novel, which is White Teeth. I've mentioned this book before. Uh, from there, I kind of became obsessed with her very, like, witty writing style, as well as how she plays off, and I just mentioned this, the cliches and the stereotypes. Um, the books that I have read in her, um, by her so far, are White Teeth, Swing Time, and Grand Union. Uh, there are several others, if you're looking kind of for a place to start, which is Imitations, Feel Free, uh, NW, On Beauty, and The Autograph Man. Mm-hmm. I love her titles yeah. a lot because <laughs> I'm always just so curious. But On Beauty is one that like has been on my TBR for a while. It's been just like highly recommended to me. Um, but yeah, she's very, very witty while dealing with very serious themes, which is a very interesting writing style. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, I guess the I, I'll stop talking about Zadie. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> rein it, it in a little that's bit. That's it. That's that's my very it's short, not. concise pitch for Zadie. Smith. I like it because you know sometimes we don't need to go on a rambling fit like Megan does on stuff <laughs> to get the point across. All right. Uh, yeah. Do you have another one on your list you wanted to mention? Yeah, I have Ruth Ware, which I okay yes. before yes. Some of my all-time favorite books are from her. She is a psychological crime thriller author. That's very Megan topics. You know, um, <laughs> I would say The Turn of the Key is probably her most popular book. I mean, I would say all of her books are pretty good. Well-known. Well-known. Um, I first picked up her book, The Woman in Cabin 10, and I remember being in the store and just being like, it was like The Woman in Cabin 10, and then it was like the girl in the window or the woman in the window, whatever was it was or the train, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> they all have similar titles, let's be honest. But it was by a different author and it was like super popular at the time. And then yeah. I saw the woman in Cabin 10 and it was like same thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna try this author because you know, she's not as well known. Yeah. Wanna give her a chance. Feeling a thriller. And it was just it was so good. It was just because I hadn't read a thriller in a long time that I generally like enjoyed and liked the twist and liked, yeah, like all the um like clues and stuff. It was just good. So 
I'll just talk about the woman in Kevin Town a little bit. Okay. For anyone who's interested. Um, it's about this uh, journalist who decides to go on, like, a trip, basically. Well, I don't even know. It's not a trip. It's like a cruise. It's a cruise. That's a trip. <laughs> That's a trip. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Anyways, do you want to read the book based on that description? <laughs> Way to sell it. <laughs> Sorry, Ruth. Anyways. <laughs> let's just start it from the top okay so low black walk she is recovering from a traumatic break-in so she's like basically struggling really hard with that mm-hmm. um she wakes on this cruise ship to scream to scream sorry and she rushes to her window to see a body thrown overboard from the next door cabin but the records show that no one ever checked into that cabin and no passengers are missing from the boat She's exhausted, emotional, and Lo has to face the fact that she may have made a mistake. Either that or she's now trapped on a boat with a murderer. So very interesting. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) so it was a really good book. Um, And since that one, I've picked up The Lion Game from her, The Turn of the Key from her, One by One, which is about a group of, um, like, co-workers who go to... The mountains to go skiing and they get snowed in and then mm-hmm. someone turns well someone goes missing and then someone turns up dead in the in the house and they're snowed in so you're like obviously the killer's in the house so yeah she really likes to write that type of tension in books and stuff where it's like a group of people they're trapped together they gotta figure it out um she's been compared to agatha christie with those kind of yeah, it things. sounds very well. I don't know if the comparison is just two renowned female writers who happen <laughs> yeah. to be about like the mystery genre, yeah. <laughs> but um, and there are some very well established tropes within the thriller mystery well for genre. Sure. So yeah. it, it is 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 easy to see some overlap there, but um, that's not a comparison I would turn down. No, I if I was getting compared to Agatha Christie. Yeah, and it's like, she's an amazing writer, too, and it, she's just really good at writing, you know, anything murder-related. She said she likes to write about, like, toxic friendships and stuff. I'm like, I could see that. Yeah. And yeah. it's just good. It just it, She's good at her genre. So definitely recommend Ruth Ware. Excellent. I love that. I am going to take a trip down kind of memory lane for a lot of people. Uh, so John Green is a is a go-to author for me um any book he comes out with is i think i own most of them i i don't have um paper towns or an abundance of catherine's i don't really want an abundance of catherine's so you can have mine (laughs) (laughs) i haven't read it yet i i actually enjoyed the book i didn't enjoy it near as much as any of the other books Mm. i i have a very soft spot for paper towns but I'm getting ahead of myself. So John Green is an American author who has mostly written young adult novels, although his newest book is actually working on fiction, um, which is kind of very off brand for him. But it makes sense um, when you realize what the book's about. Uh, I first personally actually encountered John Green in 2011, um, and it was well outside the literary world. Uh, so some backstory on John Green, both him and his brother Hank Green run a YouTube series called Vlogbrothers. It's one of the many YouTube series that they run. They are uh, quite prolific YouTubers and podcasters. Um, I d- 
discovered that for myself in 2011. They had been doing it for several years at that point. I believe they actually started in about 2006 or seven. Um, and after deep diving into the world of Vlogbrothers and everything the Green Brother related <laughs> that I possibly could consume, I started reading John Green's novels. And I'm pretty certain, though I don't remember for sure, that I started with Looking for Alaska, which is was kind of a starting point for a lot of people. It was his most popular book at the time. Yeah, that was no, actually, that's a lie. That's not the first book. It was Will Grayson. Will Grayson was. Yes. Did I give you that? You did yeah. tell me that one. I do. I do also have a soft spot for Will Grayson. Yeah. Will Grayson. Uh, so John Green is a fantastic writer for those who are looking for a slightly introspective but still fun, relatively fun read. Uh, his earlier work deals a lot with the manic pixie dream girl trope, which I think he intro inverts that trope quite a bit. Um, this is a large criticism of his novels, um, one that he's very open to, but um, I do I do think um, the way that he deals with the trope is very interesting, um, and it doesn't play into the dangers, or it actually does, it plays into the dangers of why that trope is so bad um, or harmful or can be so harmful. Um, so his earlier novels deal with that a lot more, so that was looking for Alaska for sure, definitely had a lot of that trope going on. An Abundance of Catherine's was basically all of that trope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Paper Towns, which was my favorite inversion of that trope ever because it was the funnest inversion of that trope I've ever read. Um, spoiler alert for Paper Towns, a guy basically goes looking for this girl throughout the entire novel because she has quote unquote gone missing. It turns out she has run away and she, when he finds her, she's fucking mad that he found her. <laughs> and the entire time he's thinking about how she's leaving signs for him and she's not. It's all in his head. And that is one of my favorite representations of why this trope is so dangerous because it, it's an obsession thing. And mm. that was really well established in the novel without it being too dangerous. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, he also wrote Will Grayson, Will Grayson, which is, um, one that he wrote in collaboration with notable author David Leviathan. Um, it's a great LGBTQ read for any of those who are interested in that. Um, and it splits, um, the novel between two people who happen to share the name Will Grayson. Um, and then uh, his most famous book is The Fault in Our Stars, which I'm pretty sure everyone knows oh, about yes. at this point. Yeah. Uh, he actually wrote this in memory of somebody who was well-established within the Vlogbrothers fan base. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it was a young girl named Esther Earl who, um, and this is a little dive into the Vlogbrother community. They call themselves nerdfighters. She was kind of... Uh, leading the charge in many areas on that. Uh, she met with John Green. They actually kept correspondence and she was diagnosed with cancer and eventually actually died in 2010, which was very sad um, and hit him quite hard, which he kind of used to create the fault in her stars. Um, so that was kind of written in memory of, of her. And then his most recent fiction novel is actually The Turtle, Turtles All the Way Down, which follows Aza Holmes as she battles with her own mental health um, issues, including OCD and anxiety, and her slow spiral inwards. I, this is based also off of his own battle with his mental health, 
and kind of how he has in the past let that spiral out of control. I thought it was really well done. And then his most recent uh, book is The Anthropocene Reviewed, which I have yet to read, but is a collection of reviews for different facets of our human-centered planet, which is super fun. So he reviews things that aren't really meant to be reviewed, That's which is funny. like hilarious <laughs> and maybe the most John Green idea ever, because he does have this very like overly poetic style of writing, which fits very well into this like reviewing of reviews like how to review. Um, this is based off of a podcast he actually has, if anyone's interested in listening to that, which is called The Anthropocene Reviewed. Uh, he kind of took some of those and put them into the book to my understanding, but he also had some new ones kind of thrown in there. Uh, one episode in which he actually rates reviews, which is <laughs> really, like a really meta experience. That. And it was actually like one of my favorite podcasts I think I've ever listened to. It was so fun. And he takes it so seriously. But at the same time, when you kind of like, and you start taking it seriously, but then when you kind of like take a half step back, you realize how ridiculous all of this is. And it's kind of this nice deconstruction. Um, so I, as you can tell, like, I love John Green. I, I freaking I adore. That. I just, <laughs> this is like kind of off topic. <laughs> that reminds me of this meme. Yes, we're talking about memes. <laughs> um, and it's like if you go on Google review and it's like Pacific Ocean three point nine out of five, and it's like who is reviewing <laughs> the Pacific Ocean? The Pacific like, Ocean zero out of five would not recommend visiting. Like, what are you doing? What happened? <laughs> and was it the ocean's fault? <laughs> yeah, like what did they? Do? Like, yeah, it's terrifying, but. It, just calm down with the stars guys (laughs) yeah um so i actually read john green for a reason that a lot of people don't like john green which is his very poetic diction Mm -hmm. uh he has the most beautifully gorgeous lines in his novels which is again although he's gotten a lot of criticism for them being really unrealistic for like teenagers to like write or speak or think like that I don't think that's entirely true because if you've ever, <laughs> if you remember being a teenager and being like so self-obsessed oh, yeah. <laughs> at some points that like you actually think your life is kind of a movie and like, I don't know, it's kind of very self-indulgent behavior that a lot of teenagers I'm do the have. Main character, my I am the mind. main character and like the slow realization of some of his main characters of realizing that they really aren't the main character anymore is, is kind of beautiful. But it, it holds really well for the type of prose that he writes, in my opinion. And it's totally fine if you don't like his writing. That's 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 totally fine. Different mm-hmm. strokes for different folks, as the saying goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the absurdly gorgeous lines about absurdly normal things. I like how grand he can make life seem. And beyond that, I love that there is always some element of hope and growth in his novels, no matter how dark it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really love his work for that reason. I've been talking for a while, so I do kind of want to pass it off to you. Um, here, I'm going to be coming back for the other brother, though, <laughs> when we Just return to me. Morning, everyone. <laughs> this has become a Green Brothers podcast. Okay, we'll break it up. Um, on an author we both really enjoy, mm. Joan He. Mm-hmm. Talked about her. Not Joanne. Joan. <laughs> jo- not Joanne. Joan Don't be Marissa, be a Megan when you pronounce her name. <laughs> <laughs> Which we talked about her 
one book, The Ones We're Meant to Find, and we've talked about Descent of the Crane as well a little bit. I yes. brought it up. Um, she only has like those two books out currently. Although she is working on another one, yeah, which is um, Strike Stri- this, this, this Zither, Zither. Zither, which is out this fall, October 25th. You have to take a date down. I am ready. Isn't this <laughs> what you know we're talking about here? So she is a young adult fantasy, historic, um, science fiction-y author. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just just love her ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're just so unique and like unexpected and like twisty. Can you tell I love twists? I just yeah. love twists. And she's just so good at it. And I think for such a young author and just like such a new author, she's just so good. And I just want to read everything she writes. And, you know, her characters are great. So I don't know what else to say about her. That's uh, I'll take over here. So yeah. Joan <laughs> Key, there's a whole category on my list. Of just authors that are my now go-to authors, mm-hmm. but they haven't written enough books. I know, I'm like, where? I can't see so, more because there isn't more. <laughs> um, Descendant of the Crane as well. Like, I'm waiting for that to get a reprint. Yeah. Which is coming. But it's also so, I'm like, I have the one. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gone through my process technically because I don't have an option to go through my process and get the second one. Mm-hmm. From what I've heard... And what I've understood about her books, I I, I feel like she's going to be a go-to one. Uh, this is the same with Jiren Zhao, um, who wrote Iron Widow. I think that they are going to be one of my go-tos as well, but they only have one book out. So yeah, you can't really... I can't really no. take it. I can't go through my process mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. So Jiren Zhao needs to write more books so I can read them. And then I can make them one of my go-to authors. Exactly. So that's my request yeah. for the day. And that's how I feel about Joan Key. Get on it. Get on it. I'm just kidding. Get on it, ma'am. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> just no. kidding. We respect your writing process. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to jump over to the other uh, Green Brothers. So, um, again, heard of Hank Green when I heard of John Green. I discovered them both at the, obviously, the same time because they did a YouTube series together. Um... So in 2018, or slightly before 2018, rather, it uh, Hank Green released news that he was writing a book. Oh. And I was like, cool, gonna read it. Just like, <laughs> just like, obviously gonna read it because I have been watching this person make YouTube videos for years and I would really love a glimpse into like his writing and all this stuff. And I just really jumped on the assumption with zero research that it was going to be a nonfiction book about science because he is a scientist. So I made a rather large leap (laughs) with zero information about the actual book that was coming out, except that it was called An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. And I was like, that's a great name for a nonfiction novel. That's a really great that is a great name. It is not a nonfiction novel. It is a very, very science fiction novel, um, which was actually quite good. Uh, so it uh, follows a woman named April who lives in New York during the Great Carl Invasion, in which giant statues of a robot appear simultaneously over- overnight and infiltrate dozens of cities around the world with no explanation. And... <laughs> 
So I just like imagine me opening up this book and being like, let's read some science. <laughs> let's read some facts. <laughs> it was not. so not that. <laughs> Um, so like John Green, I find Hank Green to be a great read, uh, pretty much because he has this intrinsically hopeful belief in humanity um, and our very existence, um, which I find very refreshing. Uh, Hank Green is a little bit more absurdist than John. John takes his writing a little bit more seriously, I find, when I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a little bit less precious about things. So there's a little bit more of that quality of fun or kind of lightness or brevity to it. But they both deal with this idea of hope so well. And I finish their books and I just, I feel good. Mm-hmm. And I feel hopeful. And I feel like I believe in the human race, which is hard to believe in sometimes. Like you get yeah. it just a little bit. Yeah, it's nice to read books like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I, I, I really do... Really do. He's just, you know, he if he said he was coming out with another book, which I actually believe he's writing one based off of some comments he's been making on his podcast, <laughs> which I obviously <laughs> listen to. But uh it's gonna be an auto buy. It's just it's gonna be on my shelf. Awesome. I'm gonna trust that it's gonna be good. And yeah, that's kind of it. And those green brothers though. Yeah. Killing it. Just uh just infiltrating my bookshelf. Yeah. No just matter what. Have a room dedicated to them you should with all with all the things I probably that you're could. interested in. <laughs> i probably could all the memorabilia i have a copy of, of the fault in our stars that is in bulgarian that is how much i love these people wow okay it's signed okay. that's pretty impressive but you it's can't a, read it i can't read it i do not speak read or that. read bulgarian it was part of Oh, it's right behind you. I can see it. It was part of uh, a kind of charity event that they do, which is called Project for Awesome. And they kind of, you donate money and then they have certain, you know, reward levels and you can pick out which one you want. And one of them was a random copy of The Fault in Our Stars from various different countries Mm -hmm. in various different languages. And it was, you know... John Green said he would sign it, so I was like, sure. Goes profits go to charity. I get a cool book. What's the harm? <laughs> and then I got it and it was in Bulgarian, and I was like, I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> like I looked at it, I saw the signature, I was like, this is cute. And then I put it on yeah. my shelf. <laughs> it looks good on my shelf, but yeah. I can't understand it at all. I don't have an English copy of it, but I have a copy of it in Bulgarian. <laughs> Aw, I like that. All right, my next author is Adrienne Young. Oh, yeah, you mentioned yeah, she, her quite a bit as well. She Her kind of latest series, Fable, is just kicking off right now. It's a young mm. adult um, book. She's a young adult author. However, she is um, releasing an adult novel later this year. September 27th, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Anyways. You are prepared. Um. So the first book of hers I read was Sky in the Deep. And I picked it up because I just had, like, this beautiful cover. It had, like, this Viking woman on yeah. the front. And I just thought the concept was just so unique in young adult novels. Like, mm-hmm. you, like I feel like Vikings... I don't know. I've never seen Vikings in young adult novels ever. But 
So I picked it up, loved it, would recommend. And then I read there's like a second book in the series called um, The Girl the Sea Gave Back. It's like, it's in the same world, but it's not the same characters. Like mm-hmm. they kind of make appearances, which I I love when authors do that. Yeah, when it's not necessarily a sequel or anything, but it's like in the same world. Yeah, you're seeing different parts of that, and she does that a lot. Like even in her Fable universe, like namesake is book two of Fable, which is about basically pirates. I would say they're kind yeah. of more like pirates, and. Other than Namesake, which is, like, a direct sequel to Fable, she has a couple other books that are part of the universe, again, but Mm -hmm. are related to just other characters and stuff like that. So, she's just a really good author. I said this about all of them. Obviously, that's why they're autobiographers. But (laughs) they're just, she's just so good. She's so down to earth. I've had Sky in the Deep on my TBR since I saw it on TikTok. Because they were like, it's a Viking novel. And I was like, I kind of the same reaction where I was like, I haven't read a lot of these. It's not. Common. In fact, I can't think of any other ones I've read. So I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm yeah. gonna read this one. I definitely recommend it because she's really good at writing like female characters and mm-hmm. those emotional developments and growth within her characters and just she has a really like strong affinity to water and like stuff like that because I guess her dad was I don't know if he was a sailor or what he did. 100% um, and he ended up passing away so she just like has this like connection to it so like that's why like Sky in the Deep's about Vikings because they're like right on the ocean usually that's where they lived and then Fable is about pirates on the ocean. I love it. <laughs> and so she's just like has just beautiful books. Fable was a Reese Witherspoon book club book that's why it's like super famous right now Um, and I don't know Spells for Forgetting is the adult book that's coming out, mm-hmm. and I just can't wait to read it. And, and what day again? Uh, September 27th, 2022. <laughs> Mark it on your calendar. <laughs> Mark it on your calendar, just like Megan. <laughs> yeah, just like me, because I am ready for it. I love that. Uh, I have one more to mention uh, that, and then I have kind of some honorable mentions that I'll throw out there. Uh, Liz Howard. So I can't possibly go through this entire um, podcast without mentioning, mentioning a, a poet. So Liz Howard is a Canadian writer and poet um, who hails from Northern Ontario. Uh, she is cur- she currently resides in Toronto and is potentially one of the most stunning poets <laughs> that I've read. I really I really like her work. I just sound like a fan. Now. <laughs> this is not literary at all. I'm just a fan. <laughs> um, I first found her work while I was at university in Toronto, where she actually came to speak about her debut poetry collection, which is titled Infinite citizen of the shaking tent um it was kind of such a stunning read and so well put together and in our poetry class we had to read i think about 15 poetry collections throughout the entire course of the year it was it was like a full year course and this one was one of the biggest standouts from that that I that I read and I just remember being like I I just love how she slowly shaped these poems and she walked us through that process as well and it was just so amazing to see where like where the jumps she made um came from and like she talked about how certain poems had started from like certain memories just like of her childhood and the like way she wove them into other events that were connecting 
like that had happened throughout her life were just so beautifully done in such a like subtle way that they felt like they were kind of about you as well. It was really like she's just a really really powerful poet. Um, so she has several um, poems published in various anthologies and magazines, and she actually has another collection of poetry out, which is titled Letters in a Bruised Cosmos, um, which is a gorgeous book. It's mm-hmm. just really pretty. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to say that. Uh, both, like, that book was in a medium buy for me, which I kind of broke my own rule, but I, with poets, I feel like there's a little bit of a different process mm-hmm. for my auto buy I saw it in a used bookstore actually and I just I've never picked up a book faster I didn't even look at the price like I just I was like this is mine now I own it it is it is coming home with me um so she deals with a variety of themes although she often writes about her Anishinaabe heritage um she references a number of themes and images in her poems that are very beautiful and all tied but they all kind of tie together with some sort of hard clear speech that challenges a number of social ideas and norms um, so if you're looking to get into contemporary poetry, um, and you want somebody who's not, you know, the very famous ones of the, of the moment, um, maybe a little bit more literary, uh, she's, she's an absolute fabulous poet to give a try, and she's Canadian, so, you know, that speaks to us on a... Support local. <laughs> Support national. National. Uh, she, she, um, yeah, and she, she seemed very nice. I know, I know people are always nice when they do public speaking and True. stuff like that, but, you know, it was a yeah. class of, like, 15 to 20 people, and, you know, she's very nice. Very lovely. Like that's what all my authors were. It was like, you know, I would just like to meet them or have <laughs> You want to be best friends with them. I just want to be friends with them, and that's why they're Instabies. I yeah. don't know. That's, yeah. that's basically, like, I mean, obviously they're good writers, too, but. I just love, think that they're good people. Like, I follow all these authors on social media, and I just think they're great. Yeah. Do you have any others you'd like to mention? Um, you know, honorable mention, Garth Nix, I think, with Sabriel. Yeah. He's just settled a place in my heart. That being said, I picked up Angel Mage, and that'll be the only other book that I've read of his, other than the Old Kingdom series. Yeah, so I have actually read some of his other collections of stories <laughs> but I they they felt like they were written for a little bit of a younger audience than I was at the time I actually I liked them but they weren't they they didn't they didn't feel like they were written for me like they yeah. were good but which I mean okay yeah that should be mentioned too like you can love all of Garth Nix's or any other author's yeah. books but if they're like middle grade or and you're not reading middle grade then you don't have to go buy them because he's they're an insta buy author like yeah and he is a very vast author like he has middle grade he has young adult he is adult Mm -hmm. so and so many different genres so yeah like just obviously anything new coming out that's within our age group and within our what we like to read we'll pick it up yeah love that okay so i have a couple honorable mentions so i have jennifer egan who wrote um, one of her most famous novels would be A Visit from the Goon Squad, which was the first one I read as well. Um, she's she's a mostly auto-buy, if I have money, yeah. <laughs> kind of situation. <laughs> um, and also Marcus Zusak, who wrote uh, The Book Thief. I've read several of his other novels, and they're always really 
interesting plots. Um, I get nervous every time I pick up a new one, though. Like, I'm scared the illusion he's crafted in my world is just going to shatter really oh, easily yeah. one day. So he's he makes me a little bit nervous, but um, he hasn't he hasn't abused that trust yet. So uh, he's still kind of an auto buy when I see him. Um, yeah, and then uh, uh, of course I have my. Uh, you'll probably notice we tried to keep it to authors who are mostly still still writing. Yes. Um, so my other honorable mentions would be some that I've actually read all the books of or have all the books for, which would be like Jane Austen and Charlotte Bronte, as well as Shakespeare. I'm a big Shakespeare your readers so i i will just i will just read those sometimes in my spare time because i'm that person <laughs> good for you good for you <laughs> you're giving me a look <laughs> it's like not for me but but for i'm you. learning i'm learning all right well let's talk about the books that are on our upcoming reading list and then let's draw our topic for next week sounds for next good. podcast next one yeah um so I have The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, which was is still like the up fifth there. podcast that you Yeah, said something like that. <laughs> um, I actually am not in the middle of a book right now, so there's an opening. Oh. However, talking about John Green, I also have the Epstein Review, which has been on my TBR for a while. Uh, so I might give that one a go. Uh, one of those two, I can pretty much guarantee I will have finished by next time. Mm-hmm. Now I've said it, so it won't happen, but... Uh, because <laughs> that's how that works. That's how it works. But, uh, yeah, so I, I should have at least started one of those. How about you? I've started reading We Are All the Same, a story of a boy's courage and a mother's love by Jim Lots Wooten. of Lots of mother stories going through your... What is happening to my hormones? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> my subconscious is telling me something. Anyways, no. No. Okay, <laughs> let's draw our next topic. This is like the awkward part where it's like awkwardly silent. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay, so what are your favorite types of endings? There's okay. some options written at the bottom of this. I think I think I wrote this in this part because I think I think we wrote this one down and you were like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like a well-rounded ending a very nicely tied up ending a happy ending or cliffhanger or an ambiguous ending um, and this is courtesy of both alicia and legend of jen cool well i'll be fun i think so okay you look like you're being tortured, but I'll take I it think on I your word. I feel like that all the time, let's be honest, because <laughs> then I'm like, oh, now I have to do more research. Yeah, it just never ends, okay? No, why did we do this to ourselves? I don't just know. Can't. You agreed. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that uh, brings us to the end of this episode of the Book Jar Podcast. If you liked this podcast, consider giving us a review. We appreciate that a lot if you can do that for us. Um, if you are looking for more content from us, go follow us on Instagram. We are at the book jar pod on Insta, um, where you can also write in if you'd like your question to be on our podcast and we'll add it to the jar. And so when we draw it, we draw it kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts there, Megan? Um, you know, I just hope people give the authors we were talking about a chance if they're looking for a new book. Yeah. I hope they don't disappoint. Yeah, 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 that too. That too.
All right. Well, with that, we will be back next time and happy reading. Bye.